Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, 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 and welcome back into another episode of Believe in the ATP Tour. I'm your host, Jacob Sersosimo. And today you're listening on the Believe Network. Now, today's probably going to be one of my last podcasts. I'm going on vacation next week at the end of uh, at the end of this week, which is tough timing for this podcast with Roland Garros coming so close, like during that time, and I won't be able to podcast for that. But I might have a few ways that I might, uh, you know, get some content out there. I'll let you know. But unfortunately, during the heart of Roland Garros, I will be on vacation and nowhere near any of this podcast equipment, unfortunately for you guys, fortunately for me a little bit because I'm going to be on vacation. Um, Let's talk a little bit about Rome. Rome obviously is the big headliner of the week of the weekend. Um, That is the Masters 1000 tournament that comes right after Madrid. The winner of Madrid, Carlos Alcaraz, did not play in this tournament. People expected that. People um, shouldn't be upset about that. Obviously for the fans in Rome, they're a little salty about it, probably. They didn't get to see him play, but he wants to rest a little bit right before the intense Roland Garros gets underway. But this tournament had no lack of large names in it. You look at the number one seed, Novak Djokovic. Number two seed, Alexander Sverev, Rafael Nadal, Tsitsipas, Rude, Rublev. I talked about this last week, how powerful and the big names that are in this tournament. So there was no shortage of people to watch and no shortage of people to really keep your eye on when it comes to this tournament. Now, some things really stuck out to me in this tournament in Rome. It is a Masters 1000. It is a big deal. It's right before Roland Garros. And people should be getting right in the swing of things and should be you know, playing as well as they need to be on clay because Roland Garros is so soon. So before I get to who won this tournament and, you know, obviously the winner of this tournament is someone very well known. And if you don't know by now, I'll let you know towards the end of this episode or towards the end of this segment, I should say. um, There were some guys in this tournament that really surprised me and really played really well. Uh, Stan Wawrinka coming off an injury. He hasn't played in so long. He ends up beating Jerry. Uh, he beats Riley Opelka in the first round, which is a, a bigger win for him, I believe. Jerry also went toe-to-toe with Novak in Serbia a few weeks ago, so Jerry's playing really good tennis right now. But for Stan Wawrinka to come back from his injury and be able to make it past the second round in a Masters 1000 so shortly after he comes back and plays a challenger you know, just last month was an incredible feat for Stan Wawrinka, and it's got to give him a boost of confidence moving forward. Now, Stan, like I said, has been out for some time for injury, and he's 37 years old. So it's not easy to come back at 37 years old and try and kind of get right into the swing of things. But for him to make it to the third round and be able to play Novak Djokovic on this large stage again, that's got to be an immense boost of confidence. So he beats Opelka in three sets, then he beats Jerry in three sets, and then he gets wiped by Novak Djokovic, which... You could expect because he's coming back from an injury and Novak Djokovic is the best player in the world. So you don't really expect anything less from that outing. But you keep going down the list here. Uh, Marcus Giron, Giron, I should say, beat Diego Schwartzman in the second round. That's big because the American ends up being a lucky loser, making it to the third round to play Felix Ogiel-Yassim. Diego Schwartzman, traditionally really, really good when it comes to clay court tournaments. Obviously, not here. Now, here's, I think, one of the biggest upsets of the tournament. Um, you look at this third round, uh, still in the top side of the bracket, the number three seed, Rafael Nadal. He gets beat 
by Denis Shapovalov. Now, Denis Shapovalov, um, Shapovalov, I should say, he is so up and down. I think in his first match against Senego, he like swore at the crowd. He was real mad. He was getting a penalty point. Like he he went off the rails, and you can see this on Twitter. Just look it up. He went off the rails at this at during this match. He somehow finds a way to win it in three sets. Then he goes on to beat Bashlash Ville, and then he goes on to beat Rafael Nadal in three sets. So for him to come all the way back and beat Rafael Nadal now. Nadal says in his post-match press conference, not taking anything away from Chapo, but you know he is coming off an injury, so he's not going to be 100%. And he's so far removed from how his he started the year at 22 and one and everything that happened there. So he's so he's such a different player now than he was even in January. But like I said last week, and like I've said on this podcast before, his eyes aren't on winning Rome. His eyes are on winning Roland Garros for like the 14th time or something crazy like that. So if you're Rafa, you don't probably think too much about this loss. Chapo can play better than anybody in the world on any given day. And also on any given day, he could play like he's, you know, playing for a high school in the middle of Montana. Like that's literally the up and down that Chapo brings to the tour. And it's no secret, I don't think. He, he's like that, and it's kind of surprising, and it's kind of hard to root for him, to be honest. Uh, Krajinovic beat uh, Andre Rublev. Rublev is up and down, everything. You know, he's been struggling a little bit lately. I don't really blame him. I think right now is very mentally taxing on the Russian players because they can't compete um, in Wimbledon. And I there's another Believe podcast that I heard a snippet about. They were talking about this, and they, the the expert on there said, you know, what kind of precedent does this set moving forward? Uh, they look at China and what they're doing with civil rights uh, and, you know, human rights stuff that's happening in China and how they're treating people in a communist country. Can we just ban them, right? Like, what, what if the president of the United States does something that people don't like, right? Makes a decision that a lot of people don't like or goes after somebody. All of a sudden, Americans can't do th- You know what I mean? Like, it. I don't want to get too political here, and I'm not going to get political here. But whoever on that podcast, I didn't listen to the whole thing. I saw snippets of it. Uh, he, he made a lot of very, I thought, decent points about what kind of precedence this sets moving forward. And why I got on that rant is because I think uh, Andre Rublev not being able to play in Wimbledon, I think that's taking a mental toll on him. I really do. Uh, he, he's a quiet guy anyway. He likes to go out and just prove that he can play and play really good tennis. But knowing that you can't play in one of the most prestigious Grand Slams and one of the most prestigious tournaments when it comes to the sport you're in, uh, coming up you know, in a month or two, it, it, it hurts. It's It's got to hurt him. And I think it's affecting his play. And, you, you know, it's where do you find the motivation at that point? And I think that could be something that he's struggling with. But he loses in the second round and he, you know, makes an early exit. We'll see how he does on clay when we get to Roland Garros. Now, there's not really many upsets, other upsets that happened in this tournament. I mean, Cam Nori ended up losing to uh, Marin Cilich. On the bottom part of the bracket, Nori was the ninth seed. Chilich was unseeded. And other than that, I think this tournament went about as planned. When you get to the quarterfinals, you got Alexander Sverev playing uh, Garen, and Garen gets out of there because Cam Nori didn't get out of there. And then you look at Sitsipas is playing Yannick Sinner, expected. Casper Rude playing Shapo, not expected, but we already talked about the Nadal thing. Uh, FAA playing Novak Djokovic. So what ends up happening is Novak Djokovic routes FAA 
Casper uh, Ruud beats Chapo in two tiebreakers. Sitsipas uh, obviously plays really well on clay. He plays well, really well on really all surfaces. He ends up going to play Alexander Sverev, not shocking. And that one goes to three sets. And Sitsipas ends up coming up on top. And Sitsipas plays Novak Djokovic in the final in Rome. Now, I talked about this a couple weeks ago when Novak was struggling a little bit coming back onto tour. I talked about how, you know, it's a battle to get back on tour when you miss so many days or you miss a lot of opportunity, right? And he says after this tournament that he feels like he's coming into form, which is a very dangerous thing, I think, for other tennis players around the world because when Novak Djokovic gets into perfect form, He's a deadly competitor. He'll, he, what did Andy Roddick say? He'll he'll take your soul and beat you with it or something like that, he said on Tennis Channel once. But the way Novak Djokovic is playing right now is the way Novak Djokovic has played over the last couple of years. And it should be scary for a lot of players on tour because he's coming into the, to the French Open with a ton of momentum coming off of Rome. And he says he's feeling up to it. Now, he hasn't played a lot of three out of five set matches probably since had been the U.S. Open last year. So Novak Djokovic obviously has some conditioning under his belt that he's going to need to get to before the French Open. But he ends up playing Stefano Tsitsipas in the final here, which is a rematch of the French Open last year on clay, and he beats him 6-0 and then 7-6 in a tiebreaker. Five was the score in the tiebreaker. So Novak Djokovic wins a Masters 1000. He is on a roll. Novak Djokovic, I believe that's his 17th straight year of winning an ATP title, which is an unbelievable feat. During his run here, he gets his 1,000th career win. That was a giant, giant, giant milestone for him. Roger Federer and Novak or and Rafa both, I think, are surpassed that. So for Novak to kind of jump in that club, he talked about that, how special that was to him to kind of jump back in that club with Rafa and Roger. But the French Open is gearing up to be a massive tournament. Is you know is Rafa going to jump up to twenty two and be two Grand Slams above Novak and Roger? Is is Novak going to be able to win Roland Garros and tie Rafa at twenty one? Is he going to be able to take and steal Roland Garros from Rafa two years in a row? A lot of interesting things going to happen here. And if Rafa stays at a three seed and Novak stays, Novak will be the number one seed at the French Open then they're going to be on separate sides of the bracket, which could help them. But last year, if you remember, they played in the semis, and it was an incredible heavyweight battle between the two. So those two could definitely play moving forward here. And I think that if they meet in the French Open final, it is going to be an absolute masterpiece of tennis in Paris again from these two. I know I don't talk doubles much on this podcast, and I probably should more, but I'm going to talk about doubles in Rome just real quickly. A team by the name of Isnerman played doubles in Rome, and it was, in, in my eyes, it was pretty funny. Um, John Isner and Diego Schwartzman. John Isner's like six foot nine. Diego Schwartzman like five foot six. And there was memes all over the internet about these two playing together. One so tall, one so short. They actually ended up making the final in Rome in the Masters 1000 event, and they lose in a tiebreaker in the final, a heartbreaker. But someone came up with the name Isnerman, and they looked like they had a blast. So I'm all, all, I'm all in for Isnerman happening moving forward because I think it is hilarious, and I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it maybe carry on some weight, and maybe they can keep playing on clay. I think they'd be really good on grass as well with his big serve and the way that uh, with Isner's big serve and the way that Diego Schwartzman can move. I think they'd be very, very entertaining to see play on grass as well, even hardcore. But 
we'll get to that a little bit later. Um, let's get to the rankings right now. I want to get to the rankings, and then we'll quick talk about what tournaments to look forward to right before the French Open. Number one is Novak in the rankings. Number two is Daniil Medvedev. Who knows when he's going to be back? Alexander Sferov is the three seed. Tsitsipas is the four seed. He jumps Nadal, who is now the five seed. Elkaraz still sits at six from, from his big win in Madrid. Uh, and then it goes Andre Rublev at seven. Eight is Kasper Ruud. He makes a jump. Bertini falls to number 10. And then Felix Ogier-Aliassime is at number nine. Now, I did get an update about what's going to be happening with Matteo Bertini. He says that uh, he withdraws from the French Open as he continues to recover from surgery from his right hand. So Matteo Berrettini will not be playing in the French Open. But those are the rankings now, and they'll probably stay relatively about that moving forward as we go into the French Open. There's only two tournaments before the French Open. There's the one in Lyon, France, and then there's the one in Geneva. Both 250s. Will players play in these? I'm not really sure yet. They're kind of to be determined. It matters how much prep, more prep they want right before the French, but the French starts on the 22nd, so there's about a week, yeah, I, th I think a week from Monday of this week, which would be the uh, May 16th, I think, yeah, they're a week from now, that's six days, it'll start on that Sunday, technically, you know, the way the times happen, and the time change in the United States, and France, all that stuff, anyway, starts next week, around this time, but who knows if these players will play in these tournaments, or they'll just, you know, bounce out to Paris and get started to prep for Roland Garros. News about Roland Garros, Gail Monfils will not be playing in Roland Garros. He says that he's got a little bit of injury to deal with. This also comes in the backbone of him and Alina Svitolina, Alina Monfils, I should say, announcing that she is pregnant and they're going to have a baby. So I think that's incredible. She didn't, she didn't really retire, I don't believe. I didn't see anything about her retiring, but them having a baby together, and hopefully this little kid can join them on tour, but I think it's the sweetest thing in the world, and I, I, I'm very happy for them because we followed them on this podcast, Gem's Life, for a while, and they just announced that she is pregnant. Now, she hasn't played in a lot of tournaments lately, but she's been very vocal about the Ukraine situation and, um, and what she thinks that, you know, Russian and Belarusian players should say whether they're opposed to the war, and she said, we want to know, you know, how you feel about the war. Uh, Lena, she also is calling for stronger mental health protection for junior players moving into the ranks. So uh, Svitolina, although she hasn't been on the court a ton lately, has been very vocal off the court and looking for change. So I think that is something special uh, that she's doing on top of having a baby. In other news, uh, Iga Swiatek won the Italian Open. Uh, that was also, I believe that was also in Rome, and that's her 28th straight victory. She is playing unbelievable tennis right now on the WTA side. If you're going to watch some WTA tennis, which I highly recommend because I think it's incredible tennis, uh, you got to watch Fiatek because she is playing on another level. She's world number one, if you remember. She got world number one after Ash Barty uh, retired, and so she's on her 28th straight victory. I'm really excited to see her moving into the French Open. Uh, lastly, Naomi Osaka starts her own agency. Such a powerful move for a player to do that. I think that's incredible, especially um, the way that her career is going and the way, you know, the power that she's really just taken upon herself. Uh, not playing in tournaments, doing what she wants, when she wants, and all that jazz. Uh, I think this is a very powerful move from Naomi Osaka, and I'm looking forward to see what she does. I think other players want to get in this, and that's more of the business side of tennis. And we'll probably talk about that during a dead period sometime. 
this summer. I appreciate you listening. Like I said, I don't know if there's going to be a podcast out right before Roland Garros. Um, I would love to. I would. I. I hope I can get one out there. If they release the bracket here soon, I would love to get one out before I go on vacation. But at the very end of this week, I'm going on vacation. So I'm sorry. I know it's bad timing, but I've been planning this thing. It's a family vacation. I've been planning it for three months. Or not three months, three years. We've been planning this for three years. COVID pushed it back a couple of times. Now we're finally going on this vacation. So... If, if you don't hear from me, I apologize, but enjoy some French Open tennis. It's going to be phenomenal. I was actually, uh, according to my original plan, I was supposed to be going to the French Open in Paris, but I'm not going anymore. So it's okay. We'll make it there one day. But appreciate you listening. Take care of yourself. Take care of your family and enjoy summer. It's right around the corner. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.